Hi, I'm Andy Ely, Senior Funeral Director for G-Seller Independent Funeral Directors, and we've been serving bereaved families since 1910. I'm sure you're all well aware there's lots of different myths, taboos and misconceptions around what happens behind the scenes within the funeral profession. So we decided to put together this series of podcasts to answer those questions and hopefully dispel those myths. So please do like, share and subscribe and send those questions, send them to liftingthelid at gseller.co.uk and we will do our absolute best to answer them for you. It genuinely is our family caring for your family. Welcome to the latest episode of Lifting the Lid. Today I have the current president of the National Association of Funeral Directors, which we abbreviate to NAFD with me. Uh, so welcome, John Adams, how are you? Yes, well, well thank you, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Good to meet you. So John, it's not the first time I've met you. I remember as quite a, a newbie, I guess, into the funeral profession, I took an exam and you were the individualator on it. Yeah. And you came along and you tapped on the table like that and you just put your thumbs up like you've got this. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. think that kind of resonated with me. So That's thank good. you for that. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's great to be here today. Thanks for having me on here. It's no, fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you. So, John, your journey. Tell us, how, how did you become firstly into the funeral profession and then, mm. then obviously into your current role? Yeah, it's been um, quite an interesting uh, journey, life. Um, I, I sort of grew up around the industry, uh, family service in Bridge North, Shropshire. Okay. Uh, I'm fourth generation to, to be doing this. And like Joseph, um, I was in on weekends, in the evenings I was there, yeah. in the workshop, in the mortuary, possibly a little bit too young in the mortuary. Um, that's another story. Um, and, and just very much part of, of my life growing up. Um, my plan was to leave school at 16 and go straight into the into the business, but I decided after a year, I was too young to be in that environment. Okay. So I decided to join the Royal Navy. All right, okay. And I had eight years in the Royal Navy. Uh, had a very interesting time there. Uh, always with the intention to come back. Um, but then I came back in 2012. And um, it's been a t 10 years actually, uh, back with, the, back with uh, Perry and Phillips. And it's been fantastic, a fantastic time. I feel very much in the right place in, in my life. Yeah, and okay. I feel very honored to do what I do. Um, when I left the Navy, the, the military is all about education and development, self-development, working in a team. And it's about how I sort of transferred those skills into the funeral profession. Um, and I counted my qualifications straight away in Liverpool with my tutor, David Barrington, who's a good friend who I, I work with now at the executive level at NEFD. Okay. And um, did my diplomas and naturally, when I completed those, I wanted to do more. Uh, so I became a tutor, Absolutely. Uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I got to learn a lot and meet, meet more people. And, um, and then following that, I got invited onto the National Executive Committee. And when I got invited onto that at NEFD, I wasn't quite sure what it was. Okay. Um, but again, it was to, to be part of the, the steering group for the industry to move, okay. to move, it, move us forward. So before you carry on, let's, let's talk about the NEFD. Yep. Yeah, steering group. What what is it? Just just for the for those watching, um, what is the National Association of Funeral Directors? I know it's a governing body, but yeah, talk us through it a little bit. So it's been established, but um, it's established in 1905 by a gentleman called Henry Sherry, who is based in London. And I've done a lot of reflecting in my time as president about what is the NEFD, what does it stand for, what is its purpose, and what's its future. Um, what's its reason why? And it's firstly, 
the, the NEFD is a full representation of the whole industry. Okay. And for me, that's really important. You've got the largest corporate companies in the country in there to the smallest independents. So it's a true reflection of the whole industry. So there might be some people that you, you can't connect with because you're different, but actually that's even more reason to be part of the NEFD for me. Um, so I'm from a small independent and I'm on the executive committee with CEOs of female partners and co-op. And it's about working together for the best interest of the industry. Absolutely. So obviously there's, there's elements of uh, government legislation. Um, there's connect, a, a, a platform to connect. Um, and if you have local issues um, in your community, it's about how you solve those issues working together. And my whole, you know, my, my year has been based about being together and being together is how you move forward in the best, most positive way. And I guess as well that, you know, that sort of resonates with, with the Royal Navy. That's it. That's exactly it's yeah. team, isn't it? Team works. Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, that's motto. So I imagine you would have learned a tremendous amount in the Navy about, yeah. you know, teamwork, getting everyone together mm. for a common goal. Yeah, it's, again, it's, it's about people, about connection. And I always think when things are going well, um, selling for the med is, is easy. Mm. But actually when you're in a difficult position and when there's a problem, that's when you see the true colours of a team. And it's about how you get that team really strong so you can respond to any, any issue. Absolutely. Brilliant. Problem solving. Yeah. And yeah, let's face it, we have them every now and again. That's life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it truly is. I'm, I'm currently doing the, the, the next diploma. Oh, good. That was very much part of that, you know, what to do if goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's just say I've gone somewhat over my word count. <laughs> <laughs> How did you become president? So when I joined the exec committee, um, I had 12 months there and then I was asked to become president of the association, again, which is a huge honor. Yeah. Um, I was probably only 32 at the time, 31. And um, then you go through sort of a um, chain of office then. So you go in as second vice president, okay. vice president, and then go through as president. I had two years as vice president due to COVID, okay, uh, which yeah, actually yeah. Uh, on hindsight was just more time to prepare for the role. Um, and as I said, the 12 months, as I'm approaching the end now of, the, of this role, it's been fantastic. Yeah. It's been such a huge honour. Relentless, um, it's non-stop, but it's, it's fantastic. So you're a family man as well. I mean, how do you manage that? You've got a family business, you've got your family, you're president of the NAFD. That must be a tremendous pull on your, your time. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, um, it's challenging, but that's part of life again, it's balancing. And I've, I've got two young boys, uh, a third child on the way. Um, but my wife, thank you. Yeah, more chaos. Yeah, yeah, more problem solving. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my family, and my my sister and my dad, and all my family, and my wife especially, they know why I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, when I went into this role, I was very clear about what's the reason why I'm doing this. What do I want to achieve, and who am I doing this for? And that was really important to me. This isn't about um, this isn't about me. This is about the industry how I can help the industry and society and bereave people. And, yeah. to, and my personal goal is about how I can create a positive environment and help society. And the wider that reach goes, the better. I'm not sure how far it can go, um, but it's been fantastic to do that. And my family fully understands and they fully support me and they believe in me, which is fantastic. 
Brilliant. So I'm going to touch on something in a few moments about how what because you've actually got some really good um, foresight with bereavement care in schools, which we'll touch on in a moment. Yep. I'm just wondering, you know, the highs and lows of, of being the president. I mean, it must be quite intense and quite involved. It must have an impact on you. Um, yeah, the intensity um, is high, but then again, how I operate, if I've got a meeting or a talk to do in a certain part of the country, yeah. I'm with my family again, so I'll usually travel to that, that location, give a talk, meet the members, engage, connect, yeah. um, learn, and also talk, talk as well with them. And then after the meeting, I'll drive home. So I've got two hours okay. drive at home at 11, 11 p.m. or at midnight. And that's, again, it's about my reason why again. Um, and my family are obviously my priority. But the role obviously is so important to me as well. So it's about just pushing through. So I could stay over and have a nice breakfast, but actually yeah. it's about the job. Well, you must have met a tremendous amount of skilled professionals. It must, it must be pretty rewarding to know that it's something that you're kind of leading to a degree at the, the forefront of. It's incredible. And actually what I've learned, you got, I've gone all over the UK, Northern Ireland, Scotland, down to the south coast of England, um, and meeting members from all over the UK. And what, I really, what I'm really interested in is because all these areas I go to are having the same issues. Okay. And again, what I want us to do as we move forward now, and our, our new CEO as well, which he's as passionate as I am, is about how we really connect, it, connect up all these areas together. And that's how you become even stronger as well. Absolutely, totally agree. You seem incredibly passionate, John. Um, have you suffered a loss yourself? Is there something that drives this? So yeah, with, with the Bream awareness within schools, which again, we'll come on to, yeah. um, a lot of that has come from the loss of my own mother. Um, okay. uh, her name is Maria and still is, uh, when I was 12 years of age. And I think that experience that I went through, um, it, it has shaped me, it has shaped me. And, and I think it's an example that any dark moment in someone's life, it's how you flip it over and you turn it into, into light. And that's what I use my mum for. She's my fuel on fire in everything I do. How I serve families, um, how I want to be at home and, and with the NEFD. Yeah. And, and again, with the education within the schools, it's how we empower society and community and give education. And I really believe the outcome can be so positive. So, um, so yeah. Oh, God, thank you. Life after the presidency, mm. what? What are we thinking? What's going to happen there? Is this back focus on family, the family business? Um, well, as I say, I'm still fully engaged in, the, in my family service. Um, third child on the way. I said to someone recently, it'd be a nice distraction having a third child. Yeah. And like, John, yeah. don't say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Adele. Um, but I've, I've recently been um, appointed as Funeral Industry Advisor for Child Bereavement UK. Okay. So the petition which has just finished now we've got the response from parliament and the work will carry on so that's very much a marathon uh, not a sprint so there's a lot of work to do yeah. the NEFD uh, want, want me to stay fully engaged with that and to support me with that the yeah. new president coming through wants me to stay there and, and push that through so it's a um, it's an ongoing mission really oh that's brilliant so let, let's talk about this so yeah. obviously driven by Maria by mum bereavement um, deaf um, information into onto the national curriculum yep. into schools. Something you're very passionate about yep. and, and at the forefront of driving. We have a petition. 
sign said petition. I yep. think it's a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm getting updates from the government, so I mean, absolutely brilliant. Talk us through it. Let's. So yeah. So the petition then um, is to add content on death, dying, and bereavement into the national curriculum. Um, the it's something that I've been I've been interested in for about five or six years. Um, with, with my role as president, it provided me a platform to really speak about it, uh, uh, sort of a, give me a more powerful voice. And the petition was an opportunity to give people um, a tool to talk about their loss and get behind it and empower uh, the public. And we needed 10,000 signatures to get through Parliament. We had um, just under 12,000. So that's been a great success. Um, and been really fascinating and quite overwhelming to see the response we've had from that. Um, so that's really good. And the government have come back to say there's going to be a public consultation, good. which, will, which will take place this year. Yeah. So the preparation has is, is started that already about how we feed into that. There's a lot of charities like Child Bereavement UK, Project Eileen, um, lots of organisations behind me now who want to support this and will feed into that consultation. So how this will work then, it's going to teach children about the emotions and feelings that um, we go through when we lose somebody. So yeah. every 22 minutes in the UK, um, a child will lose a parent in the UK. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't include uncles, aunties, siblings, grandparents, and even pets. So it's about conversations, age appropriate, um, and it's gonna help that child that loses a loved one in a classroom in the UK. Uh, but as important, it will also help the classroom, their friends, to understand what that person's going through. Yeah. So there's compassion and an empathy. Absolutely. Which is so important because again, we spoke before we started this about disconnect now in society. Yeah. It's about connection. Um, and again, this will help support teachers and actually provide them more positive environment to learn in. And then the outcome, as I've said before, will have a real positive effect on society, a kinder society. Yeah. Which I think we're all responsible, responsible yeah. for in trying to, to do. Um, again, giving these tools to young people, that will see them through to later life as well. So one of the one of the pushbacks I've had by one of the MPs was, well, why don't we? Why don't parents teach this rather than um, rather than schools? Okay. I said, well, yeah, I agree. Parents teaching it would be better or another option. But actually, a lot of adults can't discuss this stuff. No, it's it's difficult. Yeah, a lot of yeah. adults will cross the road rather than having to see someone they know who's gone through a bereavement or loss. So it's about how we have to we have to start at the source, and actually children deal with death. It's so black and white for children. Yeah, you know you'll see it in what you do. I see it in what I do. And with education and with clarity, things are very quite straightforward and simple. So it's about how we we give age appropriate sessions to youngsters. Yeah, and um, and we improve our our nation's relationship with death. And actually, the result of that is a better way of living and life for us all. This is sort of part and parcel of this podcast, really, you know, trying to dispel those myths, because no one really knows, because it's not taught. It's education, yeah. I've got to come back to, to mum, um, yep. to Maria. Um, so you were quite young when she passed away. I was away. 12. 12, yeah. okay. What, I mean, from your support at school, so this, this is driven, this, this, this petition is driven from your experience, so I'll take it you didn't have support at school. So... Within my immediate family, I was very lucky. My dad's obviously in the industry. Yeah. He was very, very open and honest with me about what's going to happen to my mum. Okay. John, your mum's going to die. Make sure you speak to, to her. Make sure you get all the things you want to talk to her about. Make sure you tell her how much you love okay. her. So I was very lucky in that sense. But then the school elements, my dad wrote to the head of the, head of the school to tell them that my sister and I had suffered the loss of our mum. And about four or five months later, 
Well, I got a phone call from the head of the year to say John's performance in class has dropped. Is everything okay at home? Okay. So, yeah. Was so, that red? Obviously not. Well, it, yeah. the, key, the thing is, it's easy, you put in the draw and we'll sort out tomorrow that one. And it, didn't, yeah. and it hasn't, it wasn't acknowledged. And I'm not bitter. I'm not a victim at all. Because no, as I say, no. I'm, I feel so lucky that, to have my mum for 12 years. But actually, I know what can be done. I know how, how special that time could be. Still sad. But actually, working in a closer community and all together, it could be really impactful, powerful time for a family or for a young person. Yeah. As we see with funerals as well, we see it. The funeral industry is very reactive. When someone comes through our door, they're already the house is already on fire. It's about how we take control of them, yeah. and that was, that's what really has empowered me to do this because I've how I've empowered young people to deal with their loss. And I give examples recently to to somebody else about. Um, coming to see their loved one, uh, youngsters, and how they've helped me take fingerprints for, for their mom. Helped you uh, do it, oh brilliant, yeah. okay. And yeah. even helped me close the coffin. Yeah. Even, okay. you know, all these small things can be as impactful and more powerful, or as impactful as the actual funeral service. So it's about these connection points from death until the day of the funeral, and even afterwards, because after, after someone dies, they still remain part of you. So that's really important to remember as well. Absolutely, I, I like how you're talking about reconnecting there. And, and you mentioned earlier, and we mentioned before before mm. this, about the disconnect. Yeah. You know, COVID has had a substantial impact with direct funeral services. And, yeah, yeah. Um, that disconnect, that moving away from, I think you've described it in a previous podcast, um, a, a platform to move forward with grief. Yeah, yeah. And that is the purpose of a funeral. I think that's really important. And I think you've done a, a tremendous job at, no, driving that. It's, again, I think if we can acknowledge the emotions and feelings we will go through when we lose somebody, actually, which I didn't realise at the time of starting this, it will highlight the importance of why they have a female service. Yeah. And that sounds so obvious, but actually, society and the public, they, you know, there is a rise in direct cremation, an unattended direct cremation, so no contact with your loved one. Yeah. Convenience, stress-free, taking the grief out of a funeral, you can't do that. If you love somebody, you can't just suddenly just snap your fingers and make it all go away. You have to go through this. You have, yeah. to, have, you have to have tears. You can't that's bury That's really it. important. Yeah. And that's how you move forward. Yeah. So I always think when someone's arranging a direct cremation is that's fine. I'm not against it. I just have my concerns about it. And as long as people are aware of the education of what it actually means. But uh, the key thing is where's someone going to be in five years' time of their grief? Yeah. So with an unattended direct cremation, things that I'll suggest to a family or offer them are, do you want to come and help load your mum's coffin onto the hearse or ambulance in the morning of the funeral yeah. of the direct cremation? You can't go into the chapel, which obviously which are the rules at the crematorium, but how do we create those connection points again? Yeah. Do you still want to see your mum or dad in the chapel arrest here before the day before the, the direct cremation takes place? Because the connection is so important. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, as a family business, your bereavement support, so you've lost your mum, you've had tremendous support from your father, which has then driven this passion in your life. Yeah. You're now heading up the business, or you're there at the forefront of the business. Support that you give to your colleagues, so it's important for the schools and starting at the beginning, yeah. but what about as colleagues that are working with you? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think back to when we've done hard things, you know, funeral services in under traumatic deaths. Yeah. I think the key thing is the check-in. And again, it's about being humane, that kindness within the within our, 
our sort of company to each other, that genuine care for each other. Because I think the industry is all about caring for the community, but care actually starts within the building. And that's, if you get it right within the building, that care yeah. for each other, the genuine care for each other in the building, that will flow outwards and your clients will receive a better level of care as well. Absolutely. I completely agree. The direct creations, does that affect your, your colleagues? Because from our perspective, we, we, again, this disconnect and reconnect, even for the funeral professionals, we find it difficult to carry out a, mm. um, a direct cremation or an unattended cremation because it doesn't feel like we serve the family properly. Yeah. Although we do it right, from our perspective, it's still dignified, it's still as it should be. Mm. But without that funeral service, it just doesn't... And with that, I think at the start of COVID, that fear kicked in about, you know, we had to start saying no to things in a funeral service, which yeah. I wasn't used to. Yeah. But actually, within 10 days, I quickly realised that we can still have connection, even with six people at the crematorium. And there's lots of things that we did and many other funeral directors did in creating having that innovation, yeah. how to evolve and adapt in that environment to still create connection. Such as a guard of honour, for example, we used to have those long streets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. There is a there is a great example of connection. So it's so important, and I think, as I say, I'm not against dark cremation as long as the as long as the communities and the public are fully aware of the impl implications. Five years later, where are you going to be in yourself, in your heart, five years down the line. Brilliant. I'm going to bring us back onto the schools. Yep. The bereavement care, because I think that's tremendously important. I think that, that beginning piece is, is, is where it needs to begin. How does it look? How, how's it going to be taught? Are we, um, I'm going to bombard you with questions now. No, please do. <laughs> Who's going to be teaching it? Is this something that the school will be delivering themselves? Will it be third party experts coming into the school um, yeah. to perhaps do training sessions or will they be training teachers? Uh, for this, I guess, familiarity for, for the pupils there, the students? So, so firstly then, there are some schools in the UK already doing what I'm proposing. Okay. Yeah. The vast majority, though, have nothing in place. Yeah. The schools that have something in place, they have lesson plans and sessions already done by charities like Child Bravement UK, Project Eileen. The stuff's already done. I don't want to reinvent the wheel and start doing lessons and create lessons. It's already done. It's working. Okay. My, what I see my responsibility as is trying to connect it all up. To get these sessions and lesson plans into schools all over the UK, we shouldn't have to rely on proactive um, individuals within schools to ensure this education is being taught. There should be a net across the whole thing to ensure that everybody's given the opportunity to learn about such important issues. Absolutely. Um, so, what, what does it look like then? Um, I was asked about this recently, and um, do I? I gave an example quickly. So, for example, Lion King. Okay. Okay. Um, you could explain. The point in line, so, and the point why I say that, because children are already seeing death yep. all the time. Yep. Disney, their books, Disney, their stories, yeah. every day during COVID-19, seeing numbers on a screen, yep. the Queen's funeral, you could not avoid, you can't avoid you can't, that. You can't avoid that. Yeah, it's everywhere around you. So people are saying, well, you know, you're exposing children to unnecessary sadness. They're already seeing it. All we're going to be doing is providing clarity. So Lion King, for example, the point where his dad dies, yeah. okay, press pause there. How do we think Simba is feeling right now? He's sad, he's angry, he feels guilty, he's fearful, um, he's devastated, he runs away. Actually, what we can do then is explore and expand on those emotions. What does guilt actually mean? 
Why is he guilty? Why is he fearful? So we go through all these emotions and, just, and actually unpick them, what they all mean. And actually, we carry on pressing play. Later on, he learns actually how to take his dad with him. Yeah. Again, and that's what I've done with my loss of my mum. She's still my fire and fuel. And like all bereavements and, and losses, once someone dies, it's physically they go, but actually emotionally that love it's remains always. Yeah. So there's an example for you straight away. That's a and really it's a, good example. And it's, some, it's, a, it's a character. In a, in, a, in a cartoon film. So it's not a direct person, it's a character. And they're already, they, they know the story. They know the stories. So it's already there. It's just expanding on things that they already know. I think, yeah, absolutely brilliant example. I mean, when you think about films, so Disney picks, I'm thinking of the film Up. Yep. Um, you know, there's loss in there and that's- Most, most of them, and, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's loss or it's about um, trauma. Yeah, the vast majority of, these, of the kids' children's films are about that separation. Yeah, yeah. It's about just steering it right. Mm. How? I mean, is this something that's going to be reviewed? Is it? Is it an annual um, lesson? Is it? Is it something that would be ongoing? I know you're not reinventing the wheel. Is yeah. It, well, so just how, delivery. How I see it will be is to teach it alongside sex education. Okay. So we learn about how we brought it into the world. Okay. Let's learn about how we leave the world. Good. Yeah. Uh, and that the age age levels would be my proposal is the same. So latter end of primary school, and then the the start of secondary school. That's where, I, where I'd like to see it in the PHSE as a mandatory session taught. Brilliant. That is brilliant. Can we get involved? Yes. I mean, I know I've, I've signed said petition, and I know I, I believe it was my colleagues came um, back from one of your NAFD sessions and, and sort of distributed, sign this petition, sign this petition. Thank you. But hopefully um, this is something that our viewers, our listeners can be involved with as well. So yes, I mean, where do they go? What, what do they do? So the next stage now, as I say, is the public consultation, which has been carried out by the Department of Education. We haven't got a date yet when that's going to be okay. out and started. So we're just waiting for that. Prior to that, so we, we have started preparation now um, I was involved as a co-author as a research paper um, carried out by Bristol University, which again will feed into that. Other experts to feed into the, the consultation again when it's open. Yeah. So it's just preparing. So at the NEFD conference in a few weeks' time, I'll be presenting the next steps, which will be really clear. Um, and again, if you, can, if you can feed into that consultation, if you can speak to, to your viewers, if they can watch, uh, sorry, if they can engage with their MPs, if they can feed into that consultation when it's open, that'll be huge. Let's just basically, we need to show uh, and um, provide the information of why and how it's going to help. So yeah, much. something we can drive as a community. Yeah, 100%. Make this happen. Brilliant. John, absolutely brilliant. Look, great to meet you. Such passion. Um, I genuinely do hope that we can help and, and, and get more people on the petition, more people on board. But I think what you're doing is really, really important. And it comes from the absolute right place as well. Thanks so much indeed. It's All been right. great to talk to you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, please do like, share, subscribe, um, send any questions. If you've got any questions for John, just send them in to us, liftingthelid at gseller.co.uk and, and we'll see you next time. Mm.